Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. On today's show, we don't have anything too formal. We're working on some stuff coming up, um, but these shows that we're we're kind of just uh, shooting away on on stuff. We're going to just talk some some news of the day in the sporting world. I know with such little going on, there's at least a few things to talk about. So we're going to touch on uh, everything that's kind of circulating uh, the main spokes of the sports media world. Uh, and then later on in the show, we're going to talk college football win totals. That's starting to be that season. Usually that comes out after spring football, but with no spring football, we're essentially getting some of these win totals for each team a little bit earlier. I do believe all 130 teams have had it released uh, today or, or late last night. Um, I, I can't remember how many different outlets of them, so, but most of the uh, – Books like that have it out for for the big conferences, you know, Big Ten, SEC. So we'll talk about the Badgers and then a couple other teams uh, that we looked at for that. And then in the back, very end of this, talk about Netflix recommendations because it's a little slow right now, and we know that instead of watching sports, you're probably watching uh, some of the same things we are. Um, so we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get into it. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this kind of miscellaneous um, podcast we're doing. Just try to close up some new loose ends. Um, I know the news of the day, there's actually a good chunk of stuff to, to talk about. And then obviously the win totals are always um, good things to talk about because it's the season's so far away and obviously people are just um, chomping at the bit to be able to watch football. You know, it's, it seems like it's so far away right now, whether it, it's April in a normal rec- uh, recruiting and college football landscape, but it's even weirder right now because there's a little bit of, of a cloud over it given COVID-19. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a strange time because I was looking at, you put together kind of a, a spreadsheet of, you know, before this all started of what we kind of could talk about week in and week out, and we had so much planned <laughs> for spring football, and then it kind of just got taken away from us, so we're, we're scrapping together episodes. And thankfully today there was plenty that kind of came across uh, the news circuit in terms of sporting stuff that we can talk about. But uh, let's get into, into that a little bit. I think the first one that has kind of on everyone's mind is uh, the NFL draft, which is coming up here uh, in a couple weeks. Uh, unfortunately for uh, the sporting fan, it, it will not be a, a normal NFL draft. It's going to be just basically held virtually for each team. Not really sure how that's going to work out. It's going to be kind of like, you know, your and I, or anybody's fantasy draft at home uh, with with it's going to be similar to that. But what do you make of of that, and, and just how wacky is that going to be to try and and, and put on a, a draft so differently than what they normally do? I think, in all honesty, the NFL's got to be happy to a certain extent because they're going to get so much more viewership than they normally would. Anybody who has just been craving sports is going to turn into that. Whereas we know that, uh, at least when I was growing up, you'd watch those rounds and you'd usually take a nap and you'd wake back up and keep watching and whatnot. But now, given the Thursday, Friday, Saturday format that they have going on, uh, starting April 23rd, it's going to be really exciting. I think 
it's obviously going to be virtual, but you've seen a lot of top prospects stay home and have that celebration with their family members. Obviously, it's going to be a lot tighter knit uh, in terms of who they can actually be celebrating with, uh, given everything. But I think it'll be just fine. It'll definitely be a little bit weird. But I, in all honesty, the NFL is going to probably uh, crush it in terms of ratings and everything during that time frame because it's going to be what everybody's going to be watching. And, and really, I, I think there's so many media interactions with uh, something even like WrestleMania here recently that I would imagine that the NFL draft is just going to explode because there's nothing else really to watch that's live, and eventually some of the top TV shows are even going to run out of content. Exactly. I mean, if, for a sporting fan, you have to be just excited because it gives you essentially something fresh to talk about. It may you know, be added to your favorite NFL team or you get to talk about where you know your favorite college player, where Jonathan Taylor and Zach Vaughn and those guys went. But it's just something fresh and new and and something to talk about that it isn't necessarily forced. I mean, we've we've seen a lot of ESPN and and those type of places uh, essentially making up topics, coming up with things, replaying classic games, and and that's great and all. I, I I've enjoyed watching some of these old games, but at the end of the day, uh, most of those, especially you know, I've been watching some Wisconsin basketball games back. You know, they had the the Final Four and the National Championship game replayed. Those are great and all to watch, but we already know the end result of that. It's more a nostalgic thing versus, you know, the NFL draft will we'll finally have something that's new. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know, you know, for you and I, both Green Bay Packer fans, we don't know who the Packers are going to take first. We don't know where Jonathan Taylor is going to go. So it's just going to give us kind of a breath of fresh air to talk about something other than, you know, uh, random random stuff that we're kind of coming up with to try and fill. So it's going to be – I'm excited. I can't wait uh, for the NFL draft. And normally I'm not a big NFL draft guy. I'll watch, you know, like you said, flipping through, flipping back and forth between, you know, a Brewer game or something while that's on. But usually I'm not watching it pick in and pick out like some people. I think I'll be pretty tuned in to this one. Yeah, no, I think it'll be very good. Um, and I, I'm excited for it because – there are a lot of Badgers that are going to have their chance to get their names called, and we're going to talk more about that as the draft gets a little closer. We'll have some guests on to talk draft, but for right now, this is, this is uh, kind of the pinnacle of what's going to be going on in the sports world, unfortunately. Yeah, most definitely. The draft is going to be uh, – it's going to have a lot of us that are, that are just craving some sort of sport. Uh, it's going to be a, a nice welcome breath of fresh air uh, that we, we know is going to happen. A lot of these other sports – which kind of segues nicely to the next topic. Um, maybe a glimmer of hope for sports coming back live on our TVs, you know, people playing a game, sport, anything. I know it's only golf right now, but it, it looks like they've rescheduled some of the, the U.S. Open dates, the Masters dates. So at least now we're starting to hopefully see a timeline that they're hoping sports get back. Of course, that can change. We know COVID-19 kind of, makes the rules right now in terms of spread and everything like that. It can change as an instant, but it's it's pretty nice to see at least some hard dates being put out there for, for some of these big golf tournaments. I don't know how much of a golf watcher you are, but I, I tend to watch a lot of it. So it was nice to see, hey, we're thinking about it. We've got something on the calendar. Here's what we're hoping for. Yeah, no, I, I thoroughly enjoy golf, and I really hope that it will be back. I hope people can actually, at least around Wisconsin, start getting back to golf courses. I've been wanting to be out there. It's probably the lone sport that you can be isolated and, and probably still play if, if there's some 
different measures put into place. So it is exciting. Um, it gives us, like you said, a, a little glimmer of hope at the end of the tunnel that hopefully sports are back on their way. Um, I know that there's been a lot of different outlets putting out uh, what different ADs are talking about and different contingency plans that they're putting in place to hopefully have sports, whether or a college football specifically, whether that's in the fall like we normally have it, whether it's just cutting down the the out-of-conference play, whether that's going ahead and bouncing everything back a few months or even all the way back to the spring when potentially vaccines are available, hopefully. Um, so there's a lot uh, kind of up in the air, but it's good to see that there's starting to be some movement for um, hope that things may get back to some semblance of normal here in the relatively short future. Yeah, and it's nice to see that it's, uh, you know, it's positive news. I, I don't know. Uh, it seems like the, the common thing is whenever a sporting event happening is that, uh, you know, a lot of people will, you know, comment or tweet back and say it's never going to happen. This is going to be like this for, you know, an entire year or we're not going to have this, we're not going to have that. And I, I understand some people that's that's the way they look at it and, and that's the way maybe some people have to perceive it. But it's nice to just see uh, a positive, you know, hey, we've got the Masters on the calendar in case this thing happens, in case we can do it, rather than, you know what, who knows when we're going to have sports again. It's just a, a, a change up from, from the usual, you know, doom and gloom of knowing you know, sports isn't going to be back anytime soon, but hopefully as we get closer to these dates, you know, we can make this thing happen and we can have one of the you know, biggest golf events in the world uh, down in Augusta. So it's just a nice welcome sign to see see a point in the right direction, so to speak. Yeah, and um, kind of talking about other news, did you see the Matt Harms news uh, looking like he's going to transfer, or at least he's put his name in the transfer portal for um, Purdue? Yeah, that was crazy. That was one. I, I was reading about it just a little bit ago, trying to see was this something that was kind of in the works for a while, but it, it sounds to me that, you know, with everything I'm reading, and I know has, not a lot has came out yet, but – it sounds to me that Purdue was, was kind of blindsided by this. They didn't expect him uh, to be departing and, and finished with Purdue. So I'm I'm pretty shocked with it. I know the transfer portal for college basketball has been, been pretty insane. You know, uh, Luther Muhammad from Ohio State also decided to head elsewhere. So it, it's just kind of wacky to see all these guys kind of just making this decision. But it seems like that's kind of where college basketball is starting to gravitate to where if, if something's going on, a guy's just going to put his name in there and, and see where he can go, and that's for him right now. What did you make of Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's fascinating to see. He's a guy who I didn't think had necessarily as strong of a year as he would have hoped last year. You know, at seven foot three, he's he should be a bigger presence inside. He's obviously from Netherlands. He, he never really has gotten the defensive end down. You know, obviously at seven foot three, you'd think he would be a little bit better at that, but defensively, his feet are just very slow, and people are able to get around him and dunk on him. Uh, you can probably put together a montage of that if you wanted, but um, I, th- I think he he fits in to where what Purdue does. But I- I'm interested to see where he might transfer to if he does leave, because I. I don't know where a better fit is for him or what he's really looking for. Um, I would have been less surprised if he would have just said, hey, I'm going to go play professionally overseas, you know, or something like that. 
that would have made a lot more sense than him exploring the transfer mar- transfer market. But um, you know, that's a, a big blow to Purdue to lose their center, somebody that they were hoping to have a senior leader for them. So um, that's always good things for the Badgers. Yeah, he's you know who knows where he'll end up. Uh, this story is so new that there hasn't been any sort of of rumors as to where it probably won't be anywhere for a while. But he was he's a big presence. He's gonna he's gonna go somewhere. Some team's gonna be happy to have him. And it's it just seems like a a really surprising story at the end of the day. But that's that's again that's kind of where college basketball is. These guys are are going for it and. Uh, you know, I, I know the Badgers have some, of course, talented big ten, you know, bigs in uh, Potter and Reavers who hopefully won't have to go up against the next year. Who knows if he you know, looks for uh, another school outside the Big Ten? I, I don't see him going anywhere in the Big Ten, but you never know. I mean, this this is all new and, and developing stories. But I I was sort of blindsided as sort of it sounds like most of Purdue fans were to to kind of see this happen, but. That's that's kind of the world we live in with college sports, where these guys are going to go and and make jumps to to where they see and and where they want to be comfortable with. So it's definitely a surprise, but uh, you know, good for him for exploring his options, and we'll see where he ends up. It's going to be an interesting story to follow. No doubt, Matt. I know you wanted to touch on one thing about the Jack and Bobby Dunn interview before we get into the win total stuff. So uh, anything you, what do you want to touch on there? Um, you know, first off, if if you haven't yet listened, um, make sure that you go ahead and do that so that you can go ahead and figure out a way to become involved with it. They're doing some really good stuff over there, and that's definitely exciting. Very grateful that they joined us. But uh, in the football part that we actually talked with Jack and Bobby about it, I thought it was very interesting what Bobby Dunn was saying, um, specifically about the passing game. Um, I don't know if you caught that, but mm-hmm. he he made it very apparent that uh, – Jack Cohn is probably going to be the guy, which we, we've kind of postulated out that, that most likely he would be, especially without having the spring to be a competition. But he made it pretty apparent, and he is the GA with the quarterbacks. So he would be just as in tune with any, as anybody uh, on the staff of, of who's going to probably be the starting quarterback, saying that Jack Cohn, you know, they're going to have a returning senior. They have four team, returning senior wide receivers that they're going to lean on, it makes you kind of puts things in depth chart-wise um, at a greater scale for folks to be able to see. Obviously, a lot of people want Graham Mertz, but it sounds pretty pretty ironclad that it's probably going to be Jack Cohn unless something changes dramatically from that and that Wisconsin will probably pass a little bit more, it sounded like what he said. So I thought that was super interesting. I don't know if you uh, had kind of gleaned the same thing from the interview. Yeah, I did. It was kind of a nice little Easter egg, you know. Of course, our main focus of, of, of the conversation was about Jack and Bobby's program uh, in terms of helping Dane County, but we we talked some football, and yeah, if you guys haven't listened to it already, uh, I, I highly recommend going back and listening to that, because they were both very well-spoken, open, honest, transparent about everything that uh, they were doing, uh, so I thought it was one of our um, you know better interviews that we've had, but it was a nice little Easter egg of, of getting a glimpse you know from a coach's perspective is where they are you know where they're at in terms of their personnel decision making and, and not only did he kind of hint at it and say that he sounded pretty confident in in Jack Cohn's abilities and and where he's going to be he sounded you know excited you know he, he mentioned he was excited for for us to kind of see and, and show us 
where this passing game is going to be, you know, us being the the fans. So it was uh, definitely kind of a surprise thing. I didn't expect to get that, but it was also a, a very cool thing to, to get that perspective um, from someone in the coaching staff because they sound pretty confident in the passing game and, and where they're going to be. So it, it's just uh, something something exciting, you know, as we get a little bit of football to talk about. Yeah, for sure. And I, I just I I didn't know if other people had heard that, but it kind of that's what I took away from that entire interview. That was the big thing that um I wanted to to return back to uh in this podcast because we've had a couple of days here from it. Yeah, most definitely. No, I totally agree with you. I, I kind of picked up on that as well and of course we didn't wanna, you know, go too in depth with the football stuff because I know they were uh, you know, their main focus was talking about the program, but it was nice to to get that insider perspective, and they they sound pretty confident in where the passing game is going to be, and that just it makes us a little bit more exciting for football. Anything else you want to touch on in this first portion? Otherwise, we'll go ahead and uh, get into some win totals talk. Uh, before win totals, Wisconsin, we didn't have time to actually talk about um, the two new walk-ons that uh, 2020 walk-ons that have committed. Um, Gavin Myers, a punter, uh, he's going to be adding. He was kind of a, a late addition to the the group. He's out of Oshkosh. He's supposedly got a really good good leg. Um, he had other opportunities with Illinois and Iowa and some others, um, but he, he definitely is a player that is going to be going ahead uh, and trying to make a dent in that punting room, which we don't know who's going to be the guy yet. I think a lot of people are expecting. Um, there to be a really open competition for punter this year. And he's a guy who was in the Blue-Gray All-American Bowl, and he punted really well in that. And so you never know. He could potentially make a splash and be the punter in year one. Um, but he, he most likely will probably take a back seat for a few before he takes over that role potentially. Um, and then the other guy was Haken Anderson. He's kind of a Swiss Army knife uh, out of Verona. He played a little running back, played a little uh, H-back for them. Uh, and he's coming in a, probably as a wide receiver, but I could see him playing other things. Um, and he was getting some some uh, looks from different teams like uh, NDSU and North Dakota and Duke and whatnot, but uh, ended up walking out at Wisconsin. And I think he's the type of kid that usually does well, um, and, and he's kind of able to stay home. But I think – Really, he should be able to help out in special teams during his career, if not more. Uh, you never know with how it'll work out when you get some of these walk-ons from in-state where they really, you know, bleed uh, red. You know, obviously everybody does, but um, bleed red and white to, to play for Wisconsin, and, and he obviously really wants that. So I think just those two late additions to the 2020 class were uh, noteworthy because – you, you'll kind of see some more uh, late walk-ons added. I'm guessing they were just both waiting to get into UW because um, it's a different process than the guys who are on scholarship. Yeah, I know. Both of them are going to be in, intriguing in players. You know, I, I look at Gavin Myers, and you, you think about the punting game. Usually, you know, you're not going to think about it too deeply, but there's a couple – pretty glaring plays from the 2019 season for Wisconsin that uh, kind of stick out in the puncher's role. It shows you how important it can be because those couple plays don't happen and you could be you know in different football games. Now, we don't need to 
dig up uh, the, the Anthony Lottie. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 true, and it's it makes that position so important. And you know, even you want to pay attention to even the incoming punchers because they're going to make an impact on a football game. And, and Badger fans have have seen that more than ever. Um, and then yeah, the the, the Haken Anderson one again. You hit the nail on the head with that. He's a a kid that is just going to come in and be an athlete. One of those kids that grew up a Badger fan, grew up in the area, wants to be there. I think those kids usually thrive. We've seen it, you know, time in and time again with these walk-ons and and where both players. And I think both are going to be pretty important. So it's a good one, good couple guys to touch on as we kind of do a, a little cleanup episode for you guys out there. All right, well, we'll go ahead and kick it over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our win total discussion. All right, guys, it's now time to talk some college football win totals. Uh, Like I said at the beginning of the show, uh, every team, I believe, has had their win totals released for the 2020 season a little earlier, but uh, with spring football come and gone, it's it's essentially time to, uh, you know, release those. There's nothing to really wait for, so... Uh, the Badgers came in uh, nine to nine and a half, uh, depending on where you saw it. I've seen mostly nine and a half, but Matt, what do you make of the Badgers being in that range, and and where would you lean right now if you had to uh, make a prediction on on that number? Yeah, I mean, I think that nine and a half is is right around the money. I think uh, you look at Wisconsin's schedule; they're home against Indiana, home against Southern Illinois home against Appalachian State. I think they should win all three of those games. Those are games that they should win. Uh, and then you're, you're looking at that at Michigan, home against Notre Dame uh, conglomerate there in the middle, and, and that's that's a tough uh, area right there for Wisconsin to navigate. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I think that's, those two games are really going to define their season. You, you have Minnesota at home, at Maryland, home against Illinois, at Northwestern, at Purdue, home against Nebraska, and then at Iowa to close it out instead of playing against Minnesota. So I think Wisconsin should have nine wins. Uh, I think I think they'll have nine wins. That if you look at it, nine wins would mean that they lost to Michigan, to Notre Dame, and either Minnesota or Purdue or Iowa, for example. I don't see them losing at home against Nebraska uh, at this point. Uh, but – I think nine and a half is is really going to be tough because you know ten means you win one of those games, nine means you lose three of them, and I think ten is probably where I would lean just because I, I like Wisconsin to have a good season, and I think they're going to have a lot of skill back, especially on that defense. But anywhere between nine and ten makes a lot of sense. So that nine and a half, you know, it's just it's it's going to be a tough to actually gamble if if I was a betting man and and had to put money to it. So I think that number line is actually really good uh, with where it's at. Yeah, it's it's really I you know I have an article that's going to be coming out kind of in depth about it, and I agree with you. I think nine and a half is is spot on. Uh, it, you know, if, if it was a nine. Uh, I, I would take it if you could get a nine, and that way you at least get your money back if they get to nine wins as a push. You know, you're sitting pretty, but that, that half a game is going to be a tough one to decide. I had them, you know, I was going through it today and, and kind of thinking, you know, I, I think that they'll surprise some people in those early games. I think if they could get out of those early games with essentially one loss, whether it be to Notre Dame or on the road at Michigan, I, I, I kind of like the Badgers in the in the Notre Dame game right now. Uh, on the road at Michigan, they, they haven't won there. You know, they've split 
the series between you know home and home with Wisconsin and Michigan. So despite the I, I like where the team's at right now, and I know Michigan's got some things right now. I, I'd say that one's probably the loss I'm looking at. And then surprisingly, one of those back four games concerns me because Wisconsin usually plays up to their competition with Iowa and Nebraska, but they, they tend to lose one of those sloppy games like at Purdue or Northwestern at Wrigley Field is going to be a weird game. So one of those back four kind of concerns me just as much as those initial five because for some reason I know Wisconsin gets up for Nebraska. I know they get up and play to their standard against Iowa, but those games against Northwestern and Purdue on the road just always, always make my stomach nervous type because we've seen, you know, just last year what happens when they go on the road and lay a dud, you know, like the uh, the nightmare game of Illinois. Yeah, I, I I agree with you, especially that Purdue game. I know that's why I kind of talked about that one. I think Purdue and Iowa and on the road are going to be really tough games uh, late in the season. And I think Northwestern they'll be they'll be able to get up for that. It's thank God it's not going to be at Ryan Field. That place is a horror show for Wisconsin, and it's just if you've ever been there, it is maybe the most boring environment in the world. Um, so for them to be at Wrigley, there'll be a lot of Wisconsin fans because mm-hmm. it's quote-unquote neutral site, you know, um, even though it's at Northwestern. So there will be a lot of Badger fans there. Um, and, and hopefully we saw kind of what it was like in uh, a few years back when it was against Northern Illinois and they went down to Soldier Field. That was that had a huge coming out, and Wisconsin played well, got the win. I, I think it will be similar against Northwestern. But, yeah, I think the Purdue and Iowa games on the road are other ones to really keep an eye out for, uh, especially if they lay an egg. And at Maryland, you never know. I, I Maryland came out hot last year and then fizzled kind of like what they've been doing. But who knows? It's on the road. It, it kind of reminds you of that Illinois game last year where who knows how they show up for that game. And that would be – that's really what it's going to be is if they try to um, put the proverbial gun to their own foot, you never know how that turns out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I just you – know, we've, we've both watched enough Wisconsin football that we know – there's going to be a game that's going to get dicey, and it's usually one of those ones on the road that, that get a little flat. And I think the, the Wrigley Field one definitely helps because that atmosphere will be a lot different. But that, for some reason, either going to Iowa City late in the season or, or West Lafayette with Purdue and, and their pass-heavy game, both of those kind of stick out to me and make me just as nervous as one of those early five games because I know – the App State game and the Minnesota game, uh, even Indiana to open are tough, but those games are at least a Camp Randall, and I'm usually going to chalk the Badgers up uh, for a W uh, at Camp Randall, but those road games later on in the season definitely make me nervous. Uh, Anything else or any other win totals jump out to you in terms of of Big Ten teams? Because I know there were some that looked a little high to me and some that looked a little spot on, and some I was I was kind of surprised at in terms of how low they were. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm looking at uh, specifically the, the three main contenders that I look at, uh, usually that Wisconsin kind of faces off with Iowa, Minnesota, and Nebraska over in their side of the division. And, and you look at some of their schedules, and you, you – like, Nebraska's just got a really tough schedule. I don't think that they're – I think that number is probably about right. I could see them even going under like they have been doing. Um, and Iowa has a really tough schedule as well. Saw them at – wasn't it seven um, in in that uh, – the Caesars Entertainment one? Yeah, seven. 
So it's that's really low. I mean, but at the same time, Iowa's been really consistently uh, that eight and five range. You know, so seven and six, you know, nine. They can kind of do that, but really, eight wins is kind of where they've fallen for most of it. But having Iowa State at Minnesota and at Ohio State at Penn State uh, is going to be definitely tough for. For Iowa, so I, I think that number actually makes a lot of sense for them to be just a little lower than they are. Whereas Minnesota is getting the benefit of the doubt because they have once again a really weak schedule for the most part. They rode it last year to get to where they were. This year they're at Wisconsin, um, at Michigan State, at Nebraska, at Illinois. Those are their uh, and at Maryland. Those are their road games in conference, which is that's really good if you're building your prototypical schedule. Those are places you can go in and win. Uh, I think the Wisconsin, I, I don't anticipate Wisconsin laying an egg in that one. They're going to be fired up, especially given the fact that uh, they lost at home two years ago. But you, you also look at it, they have Michigan at home. That's a game that they could hypothetically win if it's a night game and, and everybody's up for it. So I think Minnesota at nine, is, it seems high, but at the same time, their schedule is really, really laid out nicely for them to, to potentially do uh, have a nice season again. Yeah, their schedule does set up pretty nicely. You know, again, in the beginning, you know, they've got uh, even their non-conference games. Again, Florida, Atlantic, and, and Tennessee Tech before uh, taking on Iowa, then home again against BYU. So four straight home games for them is, is definitely going to put them, you know, in the, in the right set of, you know, wins going into the, the later part of the season. Um, for me, you know, I was looking at those. Iowa, eight and a half, the one that I saw looks looks fairly accurate. I know Wisconsin's going to lead the way most years in terms of nine. Um, the, the Nebraska one also kind of sticks out to me. They've got Minnesota, but they've also got Cincinnati in the non-conference, which if you're a Nebraska football fan, just looking at it on paper, that's that's usually a game uh, for for Husker fans. At least to me, it looks like a game that they would normally lose. Cincinnati is an up and coming uh, team. Had a really good year last year, and, and then they've got a you know, it's just a weird team with with Luke Fickle uh, to come in there, and and you know how Nebraska kind of gets where they usually lay an egg, one of those early home games. So that to me stood out, and then uh, the other ones, Purdue. I think depending on where you look at. Uh, the one that I saw was five and a half. Uh, I know they've got a at Indiana and at Boston College and then Memphis in their non-conference. But I I don't know something about Purdue. I think they're going to be better off this year. I thought they'd have a down year this past season, but I think I think next year they're going to be better. Just having that consistent uh, coaching uh, you know tree with with Jeff Brown. So that was the one that kind of stood out to me because five and a half I thought seemed seemed kind of low, but. Again, it's so early. We don't really know where some of these teams are, and you don't get to see spring football, so you don't really have a, a clear inclination of where these teams are at as they head into this hopeful fall season. Yeah, I mean, it. I, going back to the schedules, if you look at Nebraska's schedule, they're, they could hypothetically lose their final five games. Their, their first seven outside of that Cincinnati game and against Purdue and Illinois are, are fairly easy for them, but their last five are at Ohio State versus Penn State, at Iowa, at Wisconsin, and versus Minnesota. That's not easy. That's going to be tough. Uh, I would chalk up those first four as almost surefire losses. I don't anticipate them going into Kinnick and beating Iowa, and I don't anticipate them going into Madison and winning either. Um, but And 
you look at Ohio State and Penn State, they're just in a different league right now than what Nebraska is, trying to build back up to um, even what they had with Bo Pelini. Um, but they are, uh, they're a team that I, I think that number, uh, I, last I looked at was like uh, six and a half or so. I think that's, it could, I would say six. It makes a lot of sense for them because I think they're going to lose those final five and probably one more um, prior to that. Yeah, that, they've got a – I didn't realize it was that brutal of a final stretch for them. So that's going to be a tough one in, in terms of, you know, coming into the season, they're going to be a West contender. It's it's kind of a tight race with all four of those teams right now. Um, but it, it appears that the Badgers are going to be the favorite as you head into that, which, I mean, I, I would agree with. Is, is that really surprising to you that Wisconsin's going to be the favorite uh, of the West right now? No, I don't think so, especially because their schedule in conference isn't that bad. Their crossovers um, aren't nearly as bad as what they could have been, having both Maryland, Indiana, and Michigan. That's that's not terrible. I think you take that every day. You want to take on one of the, the power three over in on the east side and then um, hopefully steer clear of having too many. So I think they did it got lucky there in terms of the schedule, but that's also why they brought on a team like Notre Dame, you know, so to, to bolster their schedule. So I think that's definitely um, a, a schedule that they can play with, and I think that uh, Wisconsin's kind of seeded correctly at 9.5. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think at least at least right now, unless we see something drastic change for any of these teams, whether it be, uh, you know, an injury or, or a change like that, I, I would have to put Wisconsin in the front runner seat uh Similar to you know the the East Division with Ohio State, who are are kind of the the clear cut favorite, not really a huge surprise. But anything jump out to you in the East Division in terms of win totals, or is it are you kind of expecting you know they've got Ohio State at 11 wins, so they're expecting them to either either finish with one loss or or go undefeated. So does anything really surprise you on that East Division? Oh, I don't think there's too much uh, surprise over there. I, it's it's nice to see Indiana with a, a higher mark. I, I don't know what book you're looking at, but in terms of the Caesar Caesar one, I, I'm seeing that Indiana's at seven and a half. I, I think that might be a bit high because I don't think they're. I, th- I think seven is about right. They have their non-conference is like the easiest thing of all time, taking on Western Kentucky and Ball State at home and at UConn, um, which is may go down as the worst program in the country uh, for, like, three consecutive years. Um, but then they have Maryland Rutgers, um, and Maryland and Michigan State at home at Rutgers. That's pretty good if you're Indiana. Those are wins that you could get. Then you have, obviously, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan that you have to take out. But they get Illinois and Purdue at home as well. So they have a pretty good schedule to get there uh, if they can take care of those three non-cons, which they will and be able to put piece together five wins in conference. They they could be in, back at eight wins again, just like they were this past year, and, and starting to build something good. So I think Indiana's a team that could could um, do better than where that seven is or seven and a half is. I wouldn't be surprised if they got to eight. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think they're they're on the you know the rise up. I think that opening game for Wisconsin is going to be an interesting one. Uh, and you know, there's other teams like like a Michigan State. They I, that was the one that stood out to me. They're listed on, on the one that I was looking at as six wins. I don't see Michigan State getting to six wins. The, all the changes that they've got, uh, the issues that they've got. They've also, on top of that, they've got a tough schedule. You open with Big Ten play in Northwestern, and then you got to go to 
uh, BYU, you take on a, a tough team you know, from the MAC in Toledo, usually one of the favorites there. Uh, and then you've got Miami at Iowa, Michigan, and then uh, Ohio State, and then at Indiana, Minnesota, and Penn State. So I just don't see any way that uh, the Spartans get to six wins either. So if there's one that I'm circling right now, it's going to be the under for them. Uh, and then the the only other one, you know, other than Ohio State, I, I think 11, and then maybe Penn State. I've heard you know, for for the last couple of years, this was going to be Penn State's year to to knock somebody off and 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 make that jump. So we'll see. But right now at nine, they're probably spot on too because they've got still having to play Ohio State, going to have to go on the road in Michigan, and then they have a Virginia Tech on the road. So overall, I think those couple ones were the ones that stood out to me out east. But I I think going into the season right now, for me, it's going to be. Chalk versus chalk in uh, Wisconsin and Ohio State until I see otherwise. Yeah, but but I agree with you on the Michigan State one. I wouldn't be surprised if they win more like four, five games uh, in on their schedule just because it is so tough. And I think the bigger thing is they're they're going through so much uh, changes, like you said, uh, with without having spring practice, they're really just throwing kids into the fire in fall camp if we have fall camp and, and expecting things to go nicely if you're hoping for six wins based off that schedule. Yeah, I, I just thought six was, was rather optimistic for, for everything that's going on. And, you know, obviously odds makers can, can change these around pretty quick, but I just thought you know, that's that's asking a lot for, for a team like that to – to, to win that many games in that schedule with all the stuff they've got going on. So that was the one that really stood out to me. In fact, uh, if I can, after this podcast, I might go see if I can find that anywhere because I might just lock that one in now because <laughs> I'm not seeing six wins for Sparty, but uh, we'll see. Um, that's really all I've got. Anything else you want to talk on, you know, win totals-wise? No, I think I think that breaks it down nicely just – and obviously they'll they'll update and they'll change as time goes on, uh, especially surrounding coronavirus and how that that impacts things. But for right now, I, I think Wisconsin's in a good spot, and I agree with you that until further changes happen, I think Wisconsin and Ohio State have uh, the best chances to get to the Big Ten championship. Most definitely. All right, guys, well, that wraps up most of our football talk. We were going to talk a little uh, Netflix because that's kind of the the new stuff that we're watching. Uh, we did write an article about that, uh, so go check that out. Uh, Matt, what have you been uh, watching when you're not, you know, not having sports to, to fill your time? Um, currently, I mean, Tiger King is just like the wildest <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life, uh, but – uh, I've been also watching Ozark, which is phenomenal. If people haven't watched that yet, newest season's out. Um, watching Better Call Saul, uh, I caught up on that, which was – I loved Breaking Bad, so I, I think Better Call Saul is a really, really good offshoot of that. Um, but there's there's so many good ones. I like The Sinner, which is – there's uh, two seasons on Netflix if people want to watch that. Uh, it's It's really, really good. I enjoy that thoroughly. It's kind of like a whodunit uh, through the eyes of the detective who tries to figure out how this uh, these odd cases come to be. Um, it's There's three seasons. One just uh, finished up on, on cable, and so that will probably be popping out next year. Um, but then the last one would be Peaky Blinders. I really like that show. Um, if you're into post-World One uh, history, it's, it's just really cool uh, show that kind of shows – just basically a little pseudo mob 
of that's going on in New York, and it's really cool. Yeah, I like that you said that one because that's the show that has been sitting in my in my you know queue on Netflix forever, and it's just something that I've I've watched a couple episodes and and gotten into it, and then I've stopped. So I need to sit down and, and binge that one and get through that. But uh, I agree. Right now, uh, Ozark is is what I'm on. I've I watched the first two seasons as they came out, so I'm somewhere in the middle of the third season, and I I that's one of my favorite shows. Uh, you know, just. Thoroughly enjoy it. Got a little bit of everything in it. Uh, serious twists and turns. So if you guys haven't watched that one already, that's probably my number one recommendation. And then, uh, you know, like I said in my article, I've been watching uh, Arrested Development too, which is another Jason Bateman show, which is a little older. That came out in like 2003 or four. Um, but it's it's one of those shows that's so dumb that it's funny. It's it's a lighthearted show, uh, basically about a family. Kind of like if you have if you've watched Shit's Creek. Um, kind of like that, where this rich family kind of just keeps tripping over their own feet. Um, you know, kind of the Shit's Creek before Shit's Creek is kind of how I've described it to some yeah, people. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it's it's incredibly funny, and uh, you know, both of those, even Shit's Creek is. Yeah, I've watched all of that too, so plenty to watch as we kind of try and try and fill time because really, the you know, Netflix and you know the streaming is getting probably more attention now than it's ever gotten, and and that's saying something because people are streaming stuff and watching these type of things all the time. Yeah, I mean, there's so much good TV TV out there that you can watch, so um, that's definitely. And then you can always go back into the old the older shows that are always super good as well. So there's there's plenty out there, but those were just some a smattering of different things that we've been watching or have watched that we'd recommend from recent times. Most definitely. All right, before uh, we cut loose, I know we started a, uh, you know article series today I wanted to ask you about a little bit because I know you had the first one, but uh, kind of just tell the people what uh, they should be looking for in the, the decade rankings for basketball and football that we started with today. Yeah, so basically we are going to be grading each of the Big Ten teams over the past decade. So basically from 2019 through 20. I mean, uh, back from 2019 back to 2010, and and giving each basketball and football program a grade uh, team by team. So this was actually something brought to me via Twitter that somebody was like, hey, I think you should do uh, Big Ten report cards. Um, so thank you, Ben Jansen, uh, if you listen. That was something that uh, I brought to Drew, and we just kind of got started on. And, and we're going to be dropping those each day kind of moving forward. Uh, the first one was Illinois today. Tomorrow I've got – Indiana coming out, and I think you're you're up next, right? Yep, yep. I've got uh, Iowa after that. I decided to uh, take my current home state and, and rip them apart. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I've got those. And yeah, I was reading through the Illinois one earlier. It was uh, it, it's it's good. It's it's nice and easy read. Light. It's not like we're going you know super in depth with each thing. Just kind of giving rankings to both the football and basketball programs for for the last 10 years with with each team. And I think it's going to be a fun uh, little series because on our site, of course, our main focus is Wisconsin. But given, you know, the current situation, we'd like to talk about more. And I think that'll be a nice, fun one. And uh, like you mentioned, Illinois started out today and uh, Indiana will be out tomorrow, followed by Iowa and uh, the rest of the teams. So make sure you guys check that out. All right, man, anything else you want to touch on? Otherwise, I will uh, hit us with the outro. Nope, that'll do it, man. Alrighty, guys. Thank you, as always, for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week. We've got some stuff in the works for our next episode. And then, uh, 
like Matt mentioned uh, earlier in the show, as we get closer to NFL draft stuff, we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to have some guests on for, for that. So stick with us. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed us just kind of spitballing here uh, as we look for things to talk about in this non-sports world. But uh, as always, guys, thank you for listening on Wisconsin. Thank you.